Coming up on Golf Today, the search is over. John Rahm grabs a trophy in Mexico for lucky number seven on the PGA Tour. Is he the man to beat once again? Should he be the favorite at the PGA in two weeks' time? And speaking of two, a second LPGA win for Vandy's Marina Alex in Palos Verdes. Leaderboard was filled with stars, and she outshined them all. Big summer ahead for the LPGA. And winners who didn't win. Players who didn't take home a trophy but took home momentum, belief, confidence, something intangible. We've got all the feels on a Monday. It's golf today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. And a good Monday to you. This is Golf Today. Damon Ack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. The first edition of the Mexico Open as a PGA Tour event is in the books. Sunny skies, big name champ. What do you think of the week? Well, I think John Rahm was the biggest name in the field, the biggest name left with a trophy. If nothing else, hopefully that will encourage other prominent players to head there next year when, when the tournament is, is rescheduled again. John Ram says he's certainly going to be back mm. there to defend his title. So let's hopefully that elevates the, the quality of the field a little bit next year. But they, they got the champion they deserve. Yeah, a lot of positivity from the players, from the media about the golf course. What better? You got your, your family there. Kelly was there, baby boy. Keppa as well. So this could be one of those events that becomes not just for the, for the player, but the family to enjoy a little beach time and maybe a little shopping as well. Yeah, it's also one of those tournaments that kind of sets a tone as you're really starting to head into mm. the meat of the season now. We've got a major championship two weeks away. We have another one a month after that, another one a month after that, yeah. then into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Right now is the time you want to be finding some form. In this game, you know, you would have wanted to start a few weeks ago at Augusta sure. yeah. as well, but finding form at any point from this stage onward in the season is always a good thing. And one of the biggest names in the game suddenly found some form that didn't look it was, it was there for the last couple of months. Yeah. First victory since June of last year. That, of course, the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines outside of San Diego. But able to kind of exhale after questions about his putting stroke. He was feeling pressure, having been replaced atop the world golf rankings by Scotty Shuffler. But a big moment for John yesterday. Puts him third all time, by the way amongst winners from Spain. Sergio has the most with 11, Seve with nine, and now John Rahm with seven after being tied with Jose Maria at six wins. Seve, by the way, by far the most majors with five, Ollie with two, Rahm and Sergio now with one major apiece. Here's Rahm on the win in Mexico and his place in the game. Uh, I came this week wanting to do it. Uh, I've spoken in length about the importance of Seve and his impact in the game of golf and how you know, I play because of him. And nowadays, you know, we have a much bigger reach. The PGA Tour becoming a bigger tour. And with social media, we're worldwide stars bigger than than they were in the past. And I feel like I can make some impact in Mexico as well. And Mexico deserves a good event. And you can even see golf growing in, in Mexico as well. Yeah, I've noticed this week you're pretty good at staying focused and competitive inside the ropes. And then when you get off the course, you're smiling more. You're having more of a yeah. good time. How are you able to switch that on and off so quickly? It's work. I mean, it's, when it's go time, it's go time. Uh, when it's over, it's over. Right? Uh, I've said it many times, I'm a very different person on and off the golf course, especially when we're competing on a Sunday. Uh, you know, that's the stressful part of the job. You'll see a much more serious face and a much more intense look outside. This, I don't really, I consider myself very lucky to be in the position I'm in in life, uh, however hard I worked at it. Uh, I'm very fortunate, so I really, truly have no reason to be that intense or upset in any way. So, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously going to be smiling afterwards. I got a wonderful family and a wonderful life. So, I mean, again, I count my blessings. And this should be a difference, right, uh, in and off the golf course. I mean, we're in there to do a job. It's a different mental state than, than off. So, I don't know how or why I, I switch it so quickly, but it's just, it's just how it's always been. How does it set you up for the rest of the season now that you've got a victory on the year? And yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm not going to count the COVID year when we stopped. You know, it's been my, well, I guess last year it took me a little bit longer to win. But, you know, in the past, I've given myself a chance to win and I've been able to do it early. This year I got close in, in Hawaii and Corey. Um, and since then, not really. So I'm happy. Um, 
kept working hard even though the results weren't coming. Uh, I got a little tired of answering questions about stats and plotting and short game and this and that. And now you can talk about it. Numbers. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of how the game is. I knew I knew I was improving. I was seeing results, and this week is proof of it right now. I think that Sunday with Tiger and Augusta gave me gave me quite a bit um, of confidence. I was a little bit technical in my approach, right? a little too technical. I'm a, I'm a field player, and that Sunday I told myself just go out there and hit the golf ball, make shots, make make the swings you want to make, see the ball slide and execute. And I shot a three under without having my best stuff and a tough day, so I applied the same thing this week, right? Uh, minimal technical thoughts and just visualizing the ball slide and the shot and getting back to my true self. And uh, I truly saw the difference. You know, my iron game was really, really solid, especially into the wind. And, you know, those shots on uh, into the wind on eight, nine, uh, 13, 13 went long, but still great. And 17, I mean, they're not easy shots, and I was able to hit really, really good ones. So, uh, you know, sometimes we deviate from our path, but this time we didn't. I'm happy to, to get my first win and back up there that is got standing, so, and hopefully get my second one too. Let's take a look at the players with a win on two of the most consecutive seasons. Dustin Johnson, 14, so looking for number 15 this season. John Rahm, now six straight seasons with a win. Justin Thomas has that as well, wants to bring that to seven a little bit later. But how about John Rahm? You know, he was the best-ranked player in this field, the best player in the field. It didn't necessarily putt the way he wanted to over the weekend, still found a way to win. Missed the 18th fairway, still found a way to win. It wasn't necessarily pretty, Eamon, but it had to be satisfying. What really struck me, Damon, watching this was wondering how Tiger Woods did this every week. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's very rare in this game where a player shows up and he's supposed to win. That's the baseline expectation. And right. because John Rahm was by margin the best player in the field and the highest ranked player in the field, the expectation was he's supposed to win there. And we talked about that at length here last week, that the expectation being heaped on John Rahm's shoulders. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And he, he went out there in the first round, shot 64 and took the lead. So the expectations only ratcheted up right. more and more. And then he held the lead again at the 36-hole mark. And then, he, you know, he, he shared the lead as it went on, but he still left with the trophy on Sunday night. And this was a statement win in a way, and I think it was a statement as much to John Rahm himself as it was to the rest of the golf world that he can actually handle that kind of pressure. And that seems like an odd thing to say about a guy who's actually got a major championship on his mantelpiece as we speak. But to show up there with the expectation that you're going to win on Sunday against a field of some of the best golfers in the world and to meet that expectation, to me, that's a real sign of the quiet confidence John Rahm has built in himself now. Because this was a test this week, as much for his own kind of confidence uh, as for the reviews that he was going to get. And he matched that test. I think this will, will go down as one of the more valuable wins of his career. Obviously, it's not a U.S. Open. It's not a win in the playoffs. But I think there is something different to the texture of this win that he has been constantly asked about his putting, for example. He even mentioned that in that sound right there. And you take a look at the difference of this week versus the rest of his season. It really did come down, for the most part, to the putting. Look how he played and how he putted this week. And his strokes gained around the green versus the rest of his season in the hundreds versus 22nd in the putting, 18th versus 132nd. So there was definite improvement on and around the greens. I'm curious, though, we showed this active streak of wins, and how do you think Rom handles the questions being thrown his way? Because as we know, it's not just about hitting golf shots and being a highly ranked player in this game. He wants to get back to number one in the world. How do you think he handles it? You know, wearing the crown, dealing with the questions when you're off for a couple of months and not getting victory. Is he built for the long haul to kind of handle the stresses of being one of the best players in the world? He's proving that he is. And even in that press conference we just heard from there, he's talking about his attitude inside the ropes versus his attitude outside the ropes and how he's a different person. And he's, he's famously fiery inside the ropes. And he, that's never going to go away entirely. But as long as he can manage it, well, then it's probably more asset than liability. And it was, we saw evidence of that patience this week because we just saw his strokes gain putting numbers. He actually lost strokes to the field with his putter Saturday and Sunday right. and still held on to it. And he was still three and a half strokes to the positive for this week with, with the shortest club in his bag. So that just shows you how well he putted 
Thursday and Friday to put himself in that position. But you didn't see the frustration getting to him over the weekend. He realised that he put himself in position and he just had to kind of bear down and do what he needed to do. And it's not as though it was kind of handed to him. Guys came at him mm. this weekend. You know, Tony Finau shot eight under yesterday. Brandon Wu played yeah. really well as well. Kurt Kitayama. Guys came and tied him through the 12th hole yesterday. He was tied for the lead. So all of the pressure that had built up for days and the putter wasn't quite cooperating and guys are, are circling him. Yeah. To me, that's the kind of situation where an old John Ram might have shown a little bit less patience, a little bit more frustration. And I, I think he just looked like a guy who trusted himself in the moment, who knew what he had to do. And those four pars he made yeah. going down the stretch were real gut-check moments there. We left 2021. I thought he was the best player in the world, hands down. Did we forget how good he was? Just, just in the first few months of this season with the emergence of Scotty Scheffler, did people forget how great John Rahm is? I think we'd forgotten how good he was even by the end of last year because John Rahm's last victory was in June of last year at Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open. His previous victory before that had been in August of the previous year. So he hasn't won as often as, as his talent would seem to suggest. Right. Plus, we've seen so many other multiple winners. You know, we had Hideki win a couple of times to start the season. Obviously, Scotty Scheffler going on his four-win run now and Sam Burns getting wins as well. So it's very easy with the recency bias that exists in sure. this sport and certainly in this business to, to focus on the latest hot player out there. He, you expect a guy like John Ram to win more often. Yeah, he's got the seven wins. He's got 15 top two finishes in his career on tour. He's got 24 top three finishes. He's actually been in the top 10 in 49% of the starts mm. that he's ever made on the PGA Tour. This counts as his 60th top 10 of his career. And he's only been out there for six years and he's winning every year. We just expect that talent and the guy who puts himself there week after week to leave with more trophies than he does. Yeah. But that's not necessarily an indictment of John Ram. Maybe it's just evidence of how difficult it is to win there. He speaks eloquently about Seve, uh, much like Tiger did about Jack, much like Rory did about Tiger. Do you think that he would be happy with a, a Dustin Johnson type career of 24 PGA Tour wins and a couple of majors? Or do you think his sights are higher? There are maybe a handful of guys in this entire game who have a reasonable expectation mm. of a career that could surpass Dustin Johnson's. And Dustin Johnson's is a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. 24 wins in this era and a couple of majors, mm. and he's not done yet. John Ram will be one of the very few guys who's got a club in his hand on the PGA Tour these days who would have a reasonable expectation mm. that his resume at some point will improve upon that. Yeah, big expectations, a big win for John Rahm, his seventh win on the PGA Tour. And like so many of the kids these days, go on social to celebrate a little more. Felt amazing to get another trophy, even better with Kelly and Keppa by my side. Thanks to all who made this possible. Vamos Mexico! And then he uh, does the same thing in Spanish. I speak a little Spanish, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to let that pass before trying to give that a shot. Felicidades! Senor Ram, I'll at least go there. All right, folks, time for the Comcast Business Tour Top 10. The reason this is so important since 09, every player who finished in the Comcast Business Tour Top 10 has made it to the Tour Championship in Atlanta at East Lake. And this year, the FedEx Cup winner will receive $18 million. Well, there were two amazing achievements yesterday on the LPGA Tour, Damon. Marina Alex earned her second career victory. And a major champion rendered Jerry Fulce speechless in her <laughs> post-round interview. And that's not easy to do. Beth Ann Nichols joins us next as we relive both. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. This season, don't just bet, live your bet life. And WinGrips, the best grips in golf. And Bushnell Golf and the new wingman, crank up your game. And by introducing the Cobra King Forge Tech Irons, a better player's iron. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Right now we're joined by Golf Week senior writer Beth and Nichols. Great to see you, first of all. Let's start with the winner in Marina Alex. Tough course, stacked leaderboard. What's your takeaway from her win in California? Well, I always find it really interesting to hear how COVID has impacted players on the whole. And for Marina... I would say there was, you know, some positive and some negative. The positive was that during that break, she took some time and evaluated life, and she was really enjoying the sense of community that being in one place for a long time provides that you obviously don't get with tour life. And she wondered how much longer she really wanted to keep playing. But then the negative there was that, you know, as she's figuring out life, she's doing other other things outside of her routine, working out more twice a day because she's bored. She's not swinging a golf club. She's, you know, with COVID, she's not getting the regular um, physio that she usually gets. And so the, the extreme downside of that was that she developed a big back issue that really plagued her for a long time coming outside of COVID. And so, you know, this has been a huge battle for her, wondering if she was ever going to win again. As you say, her, her lone victory came in 2018. And so, you know, this was a big day for her, not only physically to see that, you know, she, this is a hilly golf course. She's playing multiple weeks in a row and, and, and she prevailed, but also mentally. And so I think winning probably raised more questions and answers for Marina as far as what comes next for a player who was thinking about whether or not there was a time clock on how much longer she was going to be competing on the LPGA. So I'm really interested to see where she goes from here. Bethana, it would be hard to top Marina's story as the feel-good story of the week, but do you have another one? I do. You know, I thought I was thrilled for Andrea Lee. I mean, this is a player that that really, you know, played well in 2020, played great in her first rookie season, and then COVID again. You know, everything seems to come back to COVID. The 2021, all the great work from 2020 was erased, and 2021 wasn't that good and so you know she ends up with with poor status she has to play on the epson tour and and she wins on the epson tour early in early april has a a, a great showing in in uh, in hawaii and then goes to the monday qualifier this week she was born in los angeles she's been an honorary member at palos verde since age 15 her instructor is the director of golf there and she she shoots 68 and she she misses out on monday qualifying by by one shot and then when i saw that the the tournament decided to give andrea a sponsor and I, I said to myself out loud, this is how you do it. This is the kind of player who deserves an invitation. And, and, I, and I was so thrilled. And she completely made the most of the opportunity. You know, now she played so well with that top five finish that she's into the next event, the Cognizant Founders Cup. There will be a reshuffle. And then she'll be, she'll be in everything for the rest of the summer. And so it's a whole new slate for Andrea Lee, who is a former world number one amateur, terrific player, great personality. And I'm really excited to see when she looks back on this week. This could have been a major week in the career of Andrea Lee and the direction. Beth Ann, another invite was Anna Davis, 16 years of age. She won the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I was thinking she'll have a nice couple of days. She'll miss the cut. She'll learn a few things and, and go back to school. How impressive that she was able to not just make her first LPGA start, but actually make the cut. 
Yes, and the fashion in which she did it was remarkable. She's standing on the 16th tee. She's outside the cut line. She knows she needs to, in her words, do something special. And, and she plays aggressively. She hits the green and twos, a par five. She makes a rare eagle on that hole, goes on to birdie the 17th, pars the last, moves inside the cut line to play the weekend. So, you know, she knew she needed to do something, and she got it done, which just tells you a lot about the mental makeup of Anna Davis. So I know she was disappointed that the weekend didn't go as well as she would like, particularly Sunday's round, but, but, you know, she's, she's teeing up again in the cognizant founders cup here uh, in, in a short order. And then she'll be competing in, in three major championships. We'll see her at pine needles for the US women's open. We'll see her at, at the Evian. And of course she'll be at, at the first women's open championship at Muirfield. Uh, later this summer. So a lot of big weeks coming up for Anna Davis, and I'm sure she'll sprinkle in maybe some junior events, some maybe the U.S. Women's Am, some other some other events, uh, you know, that aren't quite 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 on the professional level. Uh, but I'm really excited. She's just she's so chill, you know. She she's rocking the bucket hat. She's just such a fun storyline to follow. You mentioned the upcoming majors, Beth Ann. One former major champion was on that leaderboard yesterday in L.A. Hannah Green. What's up next for her? A break. <laughs> she's, she's flying back to Australia for a few weeks, so she won't be in New Jersey, but she'll be back for the match play. She's gearing up for, you know, a heavy major season. And and this was, you know, I know she was disappointed that that she wasn't there at the finish, even though she was playing in the in the final group at Palos Verdes, but she finished runner up the week before in LA as well at the LA Open and really is is firing on all cylinders. And and really when you look at what's ahead for golf in Australia, with a big announcement this past week that the men's and women's Australian Open Championships will be held concurrently for equal purses. You know, there's just a lot to get excited about for Australian golf, not only with Hannah Green, but of course, Minji Lee, both of them are major champions. And of course, I think the biggest question mark is with where it's falling on the schedule now in December, it's outside of the LPGA schedule in this in this offseason time. So, you know, it's not currently an LPGA event on the men's side. It is a DP World Tour event uh, in Europe. But, it, you know, forever, the Australian Open has been on the LPGA schedule. So we'll be interesting to see if they, they make some moves there to, to, to bring it back. Because I do think it's important when you look at, at how much excitement there is around Australian golf right now. And kudos to them for, for, for being the first to do something this cool. Well, if Hannah's heading off for a break, there's a lot of speculation about someone who's been on a break and when she's coming back. Nellie Corda has obviously been out for medical issues for a while now, do you have any sense, since the LPGA Tour is not coming back for another 10 days until the Cognizant Founders Cup, is there any prospect or any knowledge if we'll see Nelly Corda there? Unfortunately, I, I don't have any insiders in scoop for you on Nelly. I think we all saw her Instagram post recently where she was kind of like this. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's kind of how we feel. We, we see you again. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, you know, she's back on Instagram. So uh, so hopefully she's out and about and, and, and close to being able to practice soon again. Uh, her sister will actually be at at media day for uh, the Meyer LPGA classic tomorrow. So I thought I'd, I'd lob a question to Jessica and see if she has any insight for us. So, so stay tuned. We'll see what Jessica says. <laughs> Sounds good. A lot of folks excited for Nellie's return whenever that happens. Beth Ann, always excited to have you on the program. Thanks for the insight. We will speak to you soon. Thank you. All right. Beth Ann Nichols golf week magazines. Take a look at who's in the race to the CME globe. Huge summer ahead. Four more major championships on the LPGA. By the way, all counting down to that season ender in Naples. Danielle Kang still at the top spot. Marina Alex off that second victory moves all the way up to 11th place, earning 500 points. All right, my man, lots to take away from Palos Verdes. Was there a story that, that caught your eye in particular? Well, there were a couple. The Marina Alex one, for starters, it's only been a year since she started working with Claude Harmon, and I reached out to, to Claude last night to ask him what they'd been working mm. on, and he said that Marina Alex is a thinker, which he kind of wryly pointed out, doesn't necessarily always work as a positive mm. in the world of golf. Uh, they had made some technical changes, but what they were essentially focusing on was stop playing golf swing and start playing golf. And he forwarded a message he'd shared with her on Saturday night going into the final round about the idea of just kind of enjoying yourself. Just go out there and post a score. Forget about the, con the context of the situation you're in and just focus on what you're doing. And clearly, 
you know, he, he said it's a massive win for her. He hopes it convinces her of how good mm. she actually is. I thought that was a, a wonderful moment there. And the other one actually came yesterday. There are very few things in this game that are really impossible. Shutting Jerry Foltz up, Damon, is one of those things. But Lydia Cole managed to do that after her round yesterday. Let's take a look at the video. You asked for Chris Wicker to come out and give you a little physical therapy as well. Is that a concern moving forward? Um, I hope not. Um, it's that time of the month. I know the ladies watching <laughs> are probably like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> so um, when that happens, uh, I my back gets really tight and I'm all twisted. And it's not the first time that Chris has uh, seen me twisted. Um, but it felt a lot better after he came. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, thanks. <laughs> I know you're lost for words, Jerry. <laughs> Honesty it is. Isn't that just... This is a relevant topic yeah. for, for women athletes, and it's never really spoken of very much on how it affects performance. So it's a wonderful moment of authenticity for Lydia Cohen, and spare a thought for poor Jerry Foles, who's standing yeah, he was there stuck. absolutely gobsmacked. He did not know what to say. I was gobsmacked. I, I saw the... The rustle on social media, I, I turned to my wife and said, babe, is, is this true? You get little back issues? And she said, yes. I was like, that, amazing insight for us. I mean, guys, How we're, we're kind of dumb. And been married know and I've known my wife for 20. We've been married for, for 15. I, I didn't know that. I mean, look, we're not... You might be more of a Women are brighter. Women are smarter. We, we know that. It's just one more example. I tell you what, the stars came out to play this week in Los Angeles. I love seeing Jin Young Ko kind of back to getting her feels after that difficult finish at Wilshire Country Club, coming off that quadruple bogey mm -hmm. and never really in the mix on Sunday. I think we can put that story to bed. I can't wait for Nellie Kaur to get back just because I kind of missed the, the tussle that we saw at the end of 2021, but how wonderful to have the emergence of Marina Alex. And I'll be honest, I thought she was going to spend the rest of her days, the last highlight would be of her hugging Suzanne Patterson after Suzanne's big moment at the Solheim Cup. So need for Marina Alex to, to learn on her own accord. I'm not done winning because she even had some doubts and shared that with Morgan Pressler that she wasn't sure if she would ever win on the LPGA Tour again. And over the last couple of years, we've spent an inordinate amount of time on the very top tier. Yeah. of the LPGA Tour and this desire for a rivalry between Nelly Corda and Jin Yunko, which we may still actually get at this point. But this is a reminder that there is actually depth mm. out there. We talk a lot about depth on the PGA Tour. There are no dominant players on the PGA Tour now, though Scotty Scheffler might dispute <laughs> that at the moment. But there, there is more depth on the LPGA Tour than perhaps the general conversation we have around it would suggest. And Marina Alex at, at 31 years old, which is real veteran status, on the LPGA Tour at that age is proof of that. And uh, Jin Young-Ko, to me, is still the most fascinating person in the women's game. I mean, she started out really well and she ended really well, but she shot over par yeah. both Friday and Saturday. And this is a woman who shot so many rounds in the 60s consecutively earlier this year and was just almost a metronome yeah. in her consistency and brilliance, over the certainly over the last six months, but you could argue probably over the last three years in the greater scheme of things. And you see a little wrinkle here and there with Jin Young-Ko. You saw it with the quad last week sure. uh, at Wiltshire. You see her flattening out or flatlining for Friday, Saturday's rounds here at Palos Verdes. The absolute invincible aura isn't there anymore. And we're only a few weeks away from moving into yet more of the major season in, in the women's game. So it's a fascinating storyline. Yeah, they call it like an invisibility cloak. For her, it's an invincibility cloak that she's trying to get back on her shoulders. I think we haven't heard the last of the world number one. All right, folks, take a look at an update on the Epson Tour. More from the women game. That, of course, the road to the LPGA. Gabriella Then is the winner of the Garden City Charity Classic at Buffalo Dunes. Win marks her first career victory. And with that win, $30,000 and jumps to number seven in the 2022 race for the card. Take a look at the leaderboard. Final round. 67 and look at the player who finished second that's Alexa Hano teenager who turned professional after competing in the Augusta National Women's Amateur so congrats to Alexa on a fine week as well and after the break we're taking a look at some of the guys who didn't get the job done over the weekend but put together a heck of a performance anyway we call it winners who didn't win that's coming up next. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Time now, folks, for winners who didn't win. Let's continue a little chat on Tony Finau. Eamon, I find it interesting. He's played in the last President's Cup and a couple of Ryder Cups for the United States. He moves up from 24th to 17th uh, on virtue of this runner-up finish. And I think he's an important player on Team USA, whether it is a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup. He's one of those players you can kind of pair with anybody. Very popular player. Not that the U.S. seems to have any problems right now getting wins against the internationals or as they showed of late anyway in the Ryder Cup. But I think that Tony Finau is an important piece in that in an era of some combustible personalities, say a Bryson DeChambeau or a Brooks Kepka. It's nice to have a steady Eddie like Tony Finau. He's a winner who didn't win, seemed to make a, a setup adjustment that paid dividends this week in Mexico. Sure. If Tony Finau was any more laid back, he'd be horizontal. <laughs> it's just kind of the personality of the guy. And that works really well in a team dynamic. But this is also an individual sport. Yeah. And Tony Finau has been off the boil basically since he won the Northern Trust in that playoff with Cam Smith last summer, which is kind of surprising. It's more noticeable with the Tony Finau because he puts himself in the mix or has done over the last few years so many times. It, it's almost an anomaly if you for a while there, if you saw a week on tour and Tony Finau was not in the mix yeah. on Sunday afternoon. He got a lot of airtime because mm. he always put himself in the mix. And then suddenly to drop off to the extent that he has over the last six months, to me, is something of a surprise, really, because everyone thought when he got that win at Northern Trust, the floodgates are going to open. Yeah. We hear that cliche all the time. All the time. Didn't happen for Tony Finau. A lot of that had to do with his putting. His putting statistics have been pretty poor this year. They weren't even great in Mexico. He tied 60th for putting in Mexico now. He's 15th on Sunday, as you'd expect, when he's on his way to shooting a 63 out there. But I thought it was interesting in that sound we just heard from him where he drew a distinction when he was asked, did he have a good week or feel good about his week? Yeah. And he said he felt good about his day. I like that and answer. To me, that suggests that Tony Finau, is, he's not happy with finishing T2. He's yeah. happy with the progress that he's made to whatever he's working towards. But what he's working towards is more victories, not more high finishes. It's an important distinction that he said it was the day and not the week. Because this is a player either, you know, from the outside view, it's like, well, what a nice guy. You know, we want to see a little more fire in, in this player. I think he has plenty of fire. There's nothing we can say at this table or a fan can say that's going to be more motivating for Tony Finau to get a third victory on the PGA Tour. Had he given a different answer, I'm happy with the week, I, I, it might have made me shake my head. I love that he said, I'm very happy with this day, but that I need more work to do in kind of getting these changes to settle in. He's starting to see the fruit of the labor from the setup change. But I think it's important, an important distinction that he made, that it was the day that he was happy with and not the week that he was happy with. Whereas you look at a guy like Brandon Wu, who can probably say sure. he's happy with the week because yeah. he's really been struggling. He's missed 11 out of his last 12 cuts out there. He did finish tie third at the Puerto Rico Open, but it's been a struggle for Brandon Wu for a yeah. while, as he talked about, in the difficulties of trying to get his swing in shape. So Brandon Wu's going to look at this week and take it away as an entire yeah. positive. Mm. His goals coming from where he is right now 
are probably a little different than where Tony yeah. Fino's yeah. Uh, goals are right now. I think you're right. I think Kurt Kuriyama as well, you know, playing alongside John Rahm and showing the, the length off the tee that he has, a couple of wins on his DP World Tour CV, but a very strong week for Kurt as well. Do you have a, a winner who didn't win a specific player on a tour that caught your eye? Yeah, I, I would go off the PGA Tour okay. here and go to the Corn Ferry Tour. People forget what a, an up-and-comer, Chris Ventura, was considered a few years ago. He was on the OSU team with Matt Wolf and with Victor Hovland, his fellow Norwegian. He won twice on the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2019. He got his PGA Tour card. He struggled when he was out there. He missed a bunch of cuts last year. He's back on the Corn Ferry Tour yeah. this year. He's made 10 starts in 2022 on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's missed six cuts. T45 in the Bahamas is the only top 50 finish he's had all year. But at the weekend down at the Huntsville Championship in Alabama on the Corn Ferry Tour, he finished tied fourth. And that's probably going to remind us and certainly remind maybe Ventura himself of the talent that he has and, and what the expectations are. Certainly he struggled over the last couple of years, but a, a result like this, just a top five finish, given how barren it has been for a while, I think is probably could, a real positive for a guy like Ventura. Got to be tough for a Chris Ventura. Got to be tough for a Justin Suh. Some of these players who were kind of ballyhooed, like Colin Morikawa or Victor Hovland, who are having to wait a little bit longer. If this was 25 years ago, it's okay to take your time. I think it's harder and harder to take your time when your peers are being as successful as some of theirs are. And it's really tough if you're being judged by the same metrics yeah, yeah. of a Colin Murakawa and a Victor Hovland and a Matt Wolf simply yeah. because you were on the same team as him. You could argue that's perhaps some of the reasons that Matt Wolf has, has voiced his mm. struggles over the last years. Everyone matures professionally yeah. and personally at a different pace. You can't be held to the standards of somebody else, but that's a difficult thing to accept if you're playing for a living. I that's think. why we do this segment, winners who didn't win. And how about honorable mention, the guys that are from Mexico, Abe Anser, Alvaro Ortiz, and Carlos. We spoke to Alvaro last week. Carlitos had a birthday during the past week, and all three of these players able to, to make the cut and play their way into the weekend. So congrats to them as well. Well, we spend a lot of time these days, Damon, talking about guys who aren't playing much. And here's another one. Bryson DeChambeau showing off his surgically repaired hand. We'll talk about him and when we'll next see him in action. Next. Back on golf today, and folks, a warning, some tough pictures uh, in this segment. Uh, back on April 14th, Bryson DeChambeau took to social media announcing that he underwent successful surgery on a fracture in the hamate bone of his left hand. Then in his post, DeChambeau said that he made attempts to play through the injury, but it caused him to alter his grip and swing, resulting in his being unable to compete at golf's highest level. Went on to say he would be taking time to recover from the procedure and looks forward to competing within the next couple of months. So Josh Scobie, former NFL kicker, friend of the program, Jacksonville Jaguars, said no big deal. Bryson just hitting it one-handed past our group in a charity event. Now this is what that hand looks like. Again, kind of some tough pictures here. Healing up, gripped the club today, can't hold on to it for long, but getting there, you take a look at those stitches on that left hand. But then Eamon, the doc said, I can start Chipping again, so, you know, kind of working his way back to good health. Well, let's hope, because that looks as though it would be painful to hold a club right on that hamate line. Yeah, I've never seen an athlete that uh, thinks that he or she, you know, can't come back quicker. I mean, look at Tiger, you know, defying doctor's orders back in 08 at that U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. You don't find many athletes that, that come back too late. They always come back too early. You just hope in this situation, and he tried to play through it at the Masters in 76-80, you hope that Bryson can get back to playing the kind of golf that he wants to because I believe he's so additive to the sport. He certainly is, and he's actually missed. The, the drama that he brought last year, which wasn't necessarily always positive, it mm. added a great deal of depth. To the, to the PGA Tour, certainly the fan experience. It's noticeable when he's not in this game, and it's regrettable mm. when he's not in this game. And, you know, he's only played six starts this year, and three of them he missed the cut. One he withdrew, which is in, in Saudi Arabia. He didn't make it out of group, group play in the match play, and he tied for 25th at the century. He's now down to 21st in the official World Golf Rankings. We're basically have no chance of seeing him at the PGA Championship in a couple of weeks. He made clear when he had that surgery 
a couple of days after the Masters concluded that he was probably out for two months. Right. So you really got to figure that maybe six weeks from now, the US Open, the, the one major he has won, that he may actually be targeting that as the comeback. But, but to your point, there is benefit sometimes to just accepting the fact that you need to write off part of your season. And uh, we've seen other guys do it before. And it may be one of those instances where we need Bryson DeChambeau to just not rush and any kind of return, especially when you swing with the force yeah, and violence yeah. that he does. The, the, the stresses he puts on his body are considerably greater than, you know, a Freddie Couples yeah. and an Ernie oh, Els or someone who's swinging a lot more sort of genteel pace. <laughs> so you, you don't want to see him jeopardize any more of the season than he's already had to concede. I wonder if he'll have the emotions that Brooks Kepka had, and these two guys probably don't like to be compared to each other very much, but I remember Brooks coming back from injury and saying, you know, man, I, I missed the game, and I, it made me appreciate the game in a different way, and maybe a little bit more when the game is taken away from you. I hope that Bryson does have some of those emotions. Well, you can certainly tell that golf fans miss having him around just simply by the engagement mm. of the stuff that he puts on social media. We can't wait to actually see him back inside the ropes again. Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau is missed. Tiger Woods is missed. But you know what? He made some noise last week playing that practice round at Southern Hills ahead of the PGA Championship. The biggest takeaways next. And plus, a win under his belt on Sunday. Should we prepare for John Rahm to once again be called the best player in the game? Is it him? Is it Scotty? We debate. Golf Today makes a turn. No one loves John Rahm as much as the oddmakers. Fresh off a win in Mexico, should he be the favorite for the PGA Championship in two weeks? Scotty Scheffler would like a word. And someone who'd like to spoil that Rahm Scheffler party in Tulsa is Tiger Woods. He played a practice round at Southern Hills last week, and we'll hear what his caddy thinks about what he saw out there. And the former Masters champion is playing host on the DP World Tour this week. Danny Willett will join us. Golf Today continues now. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. Golf Today on your television set or perhaps your phone. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch. So I think John Rahm checks an important box uh, for his season. We're going to get into some other players that are kind of maybe on the clock. I mean, this, is, this game is just unrelenting. You know, it's almost like football. You, you lose and then you got to kind of stew in it for a little bit and wait and wait for the next game or, or maybe you have a bye, so you got to wait a couple of weeks. Man, this golf business, now they're, they're well compensated, but it can be tough when you want to win a lot. It's also a good week for the bookies. When you say they've got their favorite who seems to have been the favorite for months now for every tournament he's entered, and we've had debates on this show heading into weeks where we thought, how could John Rahm possibly still be the favourite yeah. given the form he's in of late? But they're going to be pretty happy to see him at the top of that odds board heading to Southern Hills as well. That's shaping up to be a really strong major championship. You've got him in form, you've got Scotty Scheffler in form, and a lot of guys who have something to prove, not least somebody we'll discuss later, Rory McIlroy. Mm. He's this week's John Rahm, the guy who's heading... Yeah to the Wells Fargo Championship, expected to perform really well. Yeah, that PGA Championship just a couple of weeks away. Folks, time now, though, for Winning Moments, presented by Win Grips. Check out how John Rahm got the job done in Mexico for that seventh career PGA Tour victory, holding off some big-time chasers. Tony Finau, two wins on his PGA Tour CV. Kurt Kitayama, Brandon Wu all gave him a push, but it was Rahm now with six consecutive seasons with at least... One victory, closing with that two under par round of 69. So his season in review so far, 11 starts, 10 cuts made, five top 10 finishes in the victory. Man, folks are, are hard on these players. Uh, the expectations to continue to perform. And John Rahm answering the bell in Mexico. So why don't we take a look at the outright odds for that PGA championship, powered by our friends at PointsBet. Sportsbook, Southern Hills, the site. You see him right now flat-footed at plus 1,200 with Justin Thomas and Scotty Scheffler. Colin Morikawa not far behind. There's Rory, Cam Smith is your players champ. DJ, Brooks Koepka. There's Tiger. You often see Tiger. Is that smaller writing maybe? A little off-color there at plus 4,000. So 
here are the odds. I guess the question is, has John Rahm done enough now with this win in Mexico to be not just a co-favorite, but an outright favorite? Not in my mind. I still think Scotty Scheffler has got to be the favorite, Damon. Mm. When you, John Rahm's clearly rediscovered the form that wasn't there earlier in the year. But I also look at who he's beating. And with Scotty Scheffler at the Phoenix Open and at the Arnold Palmer Invitational and at the match play and at the Masters, those are four of the strongest fields Ooh, all year point. that Scotty Scheffler has faced and yeah. come out on top of. John Rahm's field in Mexico wasn't of that caliber. Now, confidence doesn't know where it comes from. Confidence comes with the trophy. And John Rahm's leaving with the trophy. He, he's clearly taken away a lot of positives in terms of where he's directed his game, the, the emphasis he's put on his shortcomings earlier in the year. And he talked about how he's kind of pleased and proud of himself of how he navigated the stress all week long. He referred to it as a stressful week, which is just an amazing statement from a guy who's won a major. But that's because he went in as the runaway favourite and he left with the trophy. That's hard to do. He's going to take a lot of confidence from that. But I still have to give the edge to Scotty Scheffler, who says Southern Hills is his favourite golf course. He does, but I'm going to disagree with you. I think that Scotty Scheffler eventually is going to cool down and that John Rahm right now is heating up. That's what golf has shown us at the highest level. You know, maybe outside of Tiger Woods, who's going to sustain this for an entire season? Should Scotty Scheffler keep playing the type of golf that he has over the last several months? You're talking about one of the greatest seasons of all time. Should he continue to check off victories be it at Southern Hills or perhaps at a U.S. Open outside Boston at Brookline or an Open Championship at St. Andrews. Should he win a Masters in an Open? You're talking about one of the greatest seasons that we've seen in the last 20, 25 years, which Tiger made you know, normal and regular and rudimentary. So I think that just by the law of golf, that Scotty will probably cool down a little bit and that John Rahm could be on the verge of playing the type of sustained golf that he suspects to, especially when you consider that in his 22 major championship starts, he has nine top tens in said majors. So I think that John Rahm unlocked something, even if it was against a, a weaker field down in uh, Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, he, he's definitely in a lot better position than he was even mm. a few weeks ago. The confidence is clearly going to bolster his chances for Southern Hills. But I look at a guy like Scheffler, who's eminently capable of doing what we've seen mm. Brooks Kepka do and Jordan Spieth do and Rory McIlroy do and pick up a couple of major titles in one year. Winning them back-to-back -back and then facing the pressure of going to the country club in pursuit of the Grand Slam, that would be a, a different thing entirely, a different order of magnitude. Mm. But Scotty Scheffler has proven that he is up for the biggest moments in this game because it's hard to imagine a more pressure-filled round of golf Scotty Scheffler could ever play than entering that final round of the Masters with the lead. Yeah. And he proved that he was up to that challenge. So there's nothing this game can throw at Scotty Scheffler for the rest of the year that is going to take away that kind of bulletproof feeling. He, he gave himself. Yeah, at Augusta National, and he's going to what he says is his favorite course where he's won a big college tournament on in the past. To me, Scotty Scheffler's the guy who has nothing to lose, nothing to prove. And I don't think that's necessarily true of everybody else in the field. It's a wonderful point that you make, and he also you know, didn't bounce the ball at that uh, Rangers game. That was a lot of pressure wearing the green jacket that was buttoned up. And I also think that the appearance and reemergence of Tiger Woods can only help Scotty Scheffler, because you have to think once it's official, we know Tiger's jet is on the ground once again in Tulsa when it's time to compete for that PGA, that once again, the Scotty Schefflers, the Jordan Spieth winner for the career Grand Slam, the Rory McIlroy's, all these players will become B players when we know for sure that Tiger Woods is competing at Southern Hills. And Ram said he drew something from that final round mm. pairing with Tiger Woods at Augusta National. On, on last month mm. and he may have another chance to actually play with Tiger Woods in Tulsa in a couple of weeks. Tiger was on the grounds Thursday at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the site of his fourth and final PGA Championship victory in 2007. Tiger was out there with Kerry Cosby, the director of golf at Southern Hills who caddied for him, soaking up all the local knowledge he could possibly get. Yeah, it was a huge, huge, uh, I think, benefit for a player who, listen, won that PGA back in 2007. But as you detailed last week, Gil Hans uh, with uh, some renovations on the golf course. So Tiger will, will have a, a bank of knowledge that some players won't have, but just wanting to kind of get some more 
information about the golf course. And here's what Kerry Cosby had to say about Tiger Woods. He said everything is so smooth with him now. His rhythm is great. He hit it straight and plenty far. He pitched it and put it at great. This ought to scare a few guys, Damon. <laughs> I know guys can hit it past him now, but watching him work was amazing. He's so meticulous, detailed, and immersed in what he's doing. He was very inquisitive on lines and the best angles. I think he can contend. It's like Michael Jordan late in his career, playing defense and hitting jump shots. Whoever wins here is going to have to be a great chipper, and he is still that. Unless he has a setback of some kind, he's playing. This trip was all business. I tell you what, Eamon, uh, and I remember when Tiger came back from the back injury and, and DJ had played with him in Miami and, oh, Tiger's hitting it good and Brad Faxon, you know, I mean, all these guys. Every time Tiger, you know, he's hitting it as long as ever. I'm almost getting to the point now where I'm not going to be viewing Tiger Woods as the convalescing golfer anymore. I'm just going to look at him as a 46-year-old 15-time major champion, 82-time PGA Tour winner, and start judging him as Tiger Woods, the golfer now. And not you think he's luring them into a false sense of security? I, I, now, I tell you what, this I, I just can't judge him now yeah. other than anything being Tiger. We know he can walk 72 holes. He did it at Augusta National. The golf swing looks fantastic. I know how the man thinks he is as competitive as anybody that's ever, you know, played any sport in history of athletics. I'm going to start to view him now not worrying about how his leg is doing. I know he's putting in the time off of the golf course. I can't imagine what it's like, the, the Epsom salt baths and the stretching and the unseen things that he's going to have to do to be ready. But I think if Tiger Woods is making trips to Southern Hills three weeks before the PGA, this is about turning the page from convalescing to winning. It really is. And what we're seeing out here with Kerry Cosby last week is kind of refamiliarizing himself with a golf course that he won on 15 years ago. He shot eight under par and held off Woody Austin. But it's not so much refamiliarizing himself with the golf course, which has seen some changes, but the idea of competing, of preparation, yeah. and not just showing up to fly blind. He could do that at Augusta National because of the tremendous reservoir of institutional knowledge he has about Augusta National. That's perhaps a little more shallow reservoir of knowledge about Southern Hills, given the changes that we've seen out there. He's doing his preparation. You can be pretty sure Joe LaCava is going to be doing his preparation as well, so that by the time they get there, presuming Tiger does commit to the tournament two weeks from now, they'll be locked in and ready to go. He's not going for a ceremonial position. It's right. just not in the man. Yeah, it's not. And, and I remember watching Tiger and how he would build up toward major championships in years past. It was, you know, I'll go win in San Diego in January, or I'll win Bay Hill in March, or I'll win... The memorial tournament ahead of a U.S. Open. This is going to be a different formula for him to be the successful player that he wants to be. And the only way he views success is victory. Now, obviously, there was doubt about his ability to come back. He has quieted those doubts, at least in terms of withstanding one of the most difficult walks in golf, and not just the hilly course, but the five inches plus rain they had at Augusta National leading up to that opening round. But I do think he's trying to figure out, as you said, what's going to be the formula in this form where I'm not competing necessarily two weeks before the major? Can he do it by playing a practice round three weeks in advance, by doing his homework at home, competing maybe against JT and Rory and DJ and Jupiter? I guess those are the questions. Can he fashion a match toughness, as Pete Sampras used to say, ahead of these majors without all the starts beforehand. But does that not make you then wonder if Tiger has to recalibrate the famous statement of first is the only thing that matters and second place sucks? Yeah, you'd think. You because would think. if he doesn't have the lead-in prep time, if he doesn't have the competitive sharpness, if he doesn't have all of the starts that he would typically have had going into major championships, if all he is doing is targeting the majors and perhaps a couple of tour events that, that he's got great familiarity with, say, a memorial or Arnold Palmer invitation, Tory Pines, things like that, then presumably he would have a normal person, a mortal, <laughs> would perhaps rewire their yeah. expectations of what it is. And I'm not necessarily sure Tigers maybe as driven by the trophy mm. as he used to be. There's a certain humility that's been evident in Tiger and we particularly saw it at the Masters throughout the entire week this sense of gratitude that he was even there mm. this understanding of how close he came to losing everything much less his career but his life there is a certain humble approach that that seemed evident in him that at his peak 
was never evident. He had yeah. nothing to be humble about at his peak. But life has kind of humbled him over the years since. And maybe the, the attitude has changed. Maybe the expectations have changed a little bit as well. It's, you know, to him, it's all a physical battle at this stage still. And what was really interesting is we talked here last week about how Southern Hills is really hill rather than hills. Right. There's one big hill up by the clubhouse. And there was video of Tiger walking up that hill last week when he was out there. And he didn't look like a guy who was struggling yeah. out there at all. And that, that's got to be encouraging for him. Yeah. It should be worrisome for maybe a few guys in the field because if Kerry Cosby is correct and Tiger's still hitting all the shots that he needs to hit out there, well, then, you know, maybe his expectations will be a little more heading to Southern Hills than they were heading to Augusta National. Yeah, I think Tiger is still all about business inside the ropes, but I do think you're on to something in terms of the gratitude, and he even expressed that in some of his post-round comments at Augusta National where he was asked about the message he wanted to convey to the folks at home, and he was like, you know, never give up. He said, I was in my hospital bed for three months, and then afterwards I did something every single day, large or small, to make this comeback. So... You know, I'm not sure if he would have made that comment 15, 20 years ago about what the folks at home might think. He was like, he was being almost like a, an oracle, kind of sharing uh, yeah. the, 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 the fact that you should never give up whatever is thrown your way. I thought it was a very different energy from Tiger. Back on golf today, a look at the upcoming DP World Tour schedule. This week, the tour heads to the Belfry for the Betfred British Masters, hosted by Danny Willett. Seems a little young to be a host. Maybe we'll. Talk to him about that in just a little bit. Good field. You got Ryder Cup stars like Westy and Thomas Bjorn as well. And you got Belgium and Netherlands coming around the bend. So right now we're joined by the 2016 Masters champ and the host at the Belfry this week. So it's good to see you, Danny. But I got to say, you seem a little young at 34 to be a host. How did this role come about? Yeah, no, um, I guess you could say that, but uh, we've, we've had some great hosts in these last kind of six, seven years. Westy, Rosie, Polt. Um, the lads have all done it. Tommy did it a few years ago. Um, and I hosted last year. And we thought we were going to get crowds there, obviously, just after the pandemic. But unfortunately, um, they didn't let us. So I asked if I could host it again. Because um, it's, it's it's a big privilege to be able to host it. Um, a, a, such a big event as the Betfair British Masters. And, you know, now, now this year we're going to finally have fans. So family and friends can come down. And um, great golf course in the Belfry. So, yeah, we're all set for a really good week. I'm curious how many of those family and friends you're going to hear from this week, Dana, who want to be part of the show, part of the tickets. You, when you were hosted last year, you finished tight 11, so you played pretty well. How do you juggle the responsibilities and the distractions and the entertaining of family and friends with actually trying to win the golf tournament? Yeah, last year, again, was pretty simple. It was probably the easiest hosting duties anyone's ever had to do because we were just a few Zoom calls and things, obviously, with restrictions last year. Um, so, yeah, it could be a little different this year. Um, it's an hour away from where I live. So, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of family and friends coming down to watch all week and trying to keep sponsors happy and, um, and, and meet everyone and, and make sure that the, uh, the hospitality is kind of, you know, you get in there and you get to see the guys who um, ultimately are sponsoring the event and, and helping it, you know, be so successful and running so well. So, yeah, this week could be a little bit more of a juggling task, but... Um, yeah, we should, we should be okay. Juggling two kids and stuff at home is is uh, is probably a good practice. Danny, folks always talk about Raymond Floyd driving down Magnolia Lane and coming to life. Ben Crenshaw, Spieth, Tiger. You finished tied for 12th at the Masters. How much of that was you finding some form and how much of that was a reflection of your deep affection for that place? Yeah, it is. It's whenever you drive down Magnolia, there is, there is something that happens inside. You do get the butterflies, all the memories flood back in um uh, of of that for me obviously in 2016 and um uh, obviously my best result there since i won um the game's been in a nice place i've played pretty consistent this year no sparkling results but played quite nicely um so yeah it's it, it is a very special feeling to be able to go back to that place year after year um and put your green jacket on in the locker room and have a bit of lunch and stuff it's you know, I guess it's, it's it's one of the things that you get, um, you know, for winning such an exclusive an exclusive major um, and being part of that club of of, of the past champions, and um, you know, yeah, brought back some nice memories and, and and had a really really good week, which was which was pretty pleasing for um, for myself in in the work I've been putting in. Did you feel a pressure to live up to that win, Danny? Because it's not as though you've been quiet since then. You have won three times on the DP World Tour since you won the Masters. Where are you now in terms of your game or what you expect from yourself? 
Um, I think I think straight afterwards, I probably struggled looking back in hindsight. I probably spread myself too thin. I tried traveling around and playing events all over the world. Um, and yeah, I think the energy levels versus um, wanting to play and, and wanting to be there and stuff like that probably weren't matched up. Um, in hindsight, I'd have probably done a bit differently. Uh, but, you know, with where the game is now, the game's in a nice place. And um, and I think I'm at a stage now in my career as well where I can now look back at that and really appreciate, you know, what I achieved that week. Um, and then use that going forward. And um, and like I said, I'm, I'm 34. I've... At the minute, the body's in really good shape. The the injuries have, have basically all all left, which has been good. That's been a lot of hard work on the body to try and get that working. Um, so now I'm at a place where I'd like to, at 34, I'd still like to push on. I'd still like to, to win more golf tournaments. Yeah, I've won three times on the DP World Tour, but I haven't won in America so since Augusta. So, um, yeah, one of my main aims uh, after winning the Dunhill was trying to get the consistency back in the ball flight. And me and Foles have worked pretty hard and I've, I've seemed to have got that in a place that I like right now. Um, so, yeah, hopefully this means that, you know, when we get into contention a couple of times, you know, I've still got that bit between my teeth that when I get into contention, I'm pretty good. And hopefully, um, yeah, I can kind of get back there at some point soon and, um, and, and hopefully get another W on the board at some point. To that point, Danny, I read a few weeks ago where you said you would go to the ends of the earth to grab that second major. What did you mean by that? Um, it's one of them, isn't it, where when after you win, um, you've got all the best intentions in the world of, of carrying on and riding this crest. And, you know, the media are, if you win Augusta, you've obviously got a chance for the Grand Slam and all them kind of things. I was ninth in the world. I, everything seemed to be really easy, but... Um, the body wasn't in a great place. I was batting a lot of things. And, and like I said, because I spread myself too thin, um, the the exhaustion levels within the body just meant that little things crept, crept up on me, little niggles here and there, playing through injuries because I'd already said that I was going to play and I didn't want to, you know, kind of go back on my word. And um, just things didn't go uh, as as to plan as, as what I was hoping they were going to do. You've got, like I said, you've had all best intentions to, to ride the wave and win three or four times that year and whatever else it may be. And and, and that kind of took a, a three-year hiatus until I won in Dubai. Um, so, yeah, I know the struggles it took to get from, to go from Augusta back to wherever I was in the world before winning Dubai, probably a hell of a long way down. Um, and and, and the, the feeling and the butterflies and, the happiness that I got after winning Dubai because of the time I put in and the work I put in. And, you know, that then that was just to win a, a, a tour event. It was a big tour event, but it's still a tour event. It's not a major. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would basically, I think it just sums it up. I would, I would put all hours in that were necessary. I'd change anything that people thought I needed to change to get there and, and, and slip on another green jacket. I think anyone in their right mind would probably do the same thing. Well, that work paid off at the end of last year, Danny, when you won the Dunhill Links in St. Andrews. What kind of confidence does winning there give to you heading to the Open Championship this summer? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Open there. Um, the last time the Open was there, I played with Zach on Sunday. Uh, I played with DJ in the last group on on, on Saturday. Sorry, it was, was I think it was a Monday finish, actually, uh, because of the wins. Um, but yeah, the last two days, I played with DJ and Zach, and, and that was the first real taste I'd had of being in contention in a major and then actually playing with Zach, kind of seeing uh, how he did it, how he approached it. Zach's not overly long. He doesn't do, you know, guys look at him and, you know, Zach's a two-time major champion, um, you know, but he controlled his ball flight brilliantly, he controlled his emotions down the stretch. Um, I did give him a good read on 18 and he did say thanks for that when he boxed that one. Um, you know, and I think for me, seeing how that was won there, um, it gives you confidence going forward. Uh, the the Open, obviously being British, the British Open is it is it is one of the biggest majors for us guys to win. Um, you know, the butterflies you get walking onto the first tee, the amphitheatre down eighteen is incredible. You clapped onto every tee, you clapped down fairways, you clapped onto greens. Um, you know, and St Andrews is a really special place for an Open to be. Um, so my record around there is 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 pretty good in the in the Dunnyland, obviously at the Open when I when I when it was last played there. So uh, I'm looking forward to going back. Obviously, uh, it's it's a couple of months away, and there's still a lot of work to be done within the game to kind of keep it in nice shape and to iron out a few of the things that I need to work on for that particular week. But 
Um, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a hell of an open. Obviously, Tiger being back there is going to be great. The hundred and fiftieth at St Andrews. It's just going to be. I think it's going to be a really spectacular week. Well, Danny, it's great to see you. I'm glad you're healthy. Good to see you smiling. Best of luck with the playing and all the speeches and hosting and tickets that you have to give out. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Danny Willett, 2016 Masters champ. How about that conversation? He's, you know, going to the ends of the earth to get that second major. He's gone through some, some health issues, but seems to be in a really great frame of mind. Isn't this kind of a perfect evidence of just how fickle this game is, you know, you go back six years, Danny Willett had the one title that everyone in this game yeah, man. wanted. And he won it in such dramatic fashion. And it's so often overlooked that the, the, the implosion Jordan Spieth had on the 12th hole that day, Danny Willett played a hell of a round of he golf did. Absolutely. to win that Masters. And now he's trying to gradually work his way back up to the peak. And this game is all about peaks and valleys, I yeah. guess. And some valleys aren't quite as deep as others. John Ram hasn't been in a particularly no, deep valley. No. He's certainly on a high peak today, though. Pretty neat that Danny Willett can walk into that uh, champion's dinner every year also and sit next to like a Sir Nick Faldo and pick some brains and kind of get himself back uh, on the good foot. And just like Faldo, a claret jug would go well with that green jacket, too. No doubt. Danny's excited. We're excited for him. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. Tomorrow, by the way, Harrison Endicott, winner on the Corn Ferry Tour, joins us. Have a great day. We will see you tomorrow.